Blog Talk Radio. Now tuned in to the mother uh, greatest. Hey, hey! Happy Thursday, everybody! What's going on, T? Hey, Alicia girl, I was hoping you said it was Friday because I was right there with you tonight. What <laughs> <laughs> you say? You ready? I'm ready. I'm Where ready. At? Oh, it's been a crazy, it's crazy day, I'm but ready. once again, yes, please tell me it's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday Eve, girl, Friday Eve. Mm-hmm. That worked. That worked. Yeah, I did that one. <laughs> oh. We want to welcome you guys to Let's Chat. Day night edition. We're talking that talk today about you get what you pay for, right? Yeah. See, a lot of times people just they just go and get stuff, even if it even if somebody tell you it's free. Mm-hmm. And everything costs. This is a pay to play society. It's gonna cost you one way or another. Ain't nothing free. I don't care if they said it's free. But if That's it's free. Right. You might still get what you pay for because you didn't pay for it. It was free, and they're going to tell them how it's going to come. You know what? If it's free, you that means you ain't getting nothing in return. <laughs> or you're you're getting the basic. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you, you know how they have those LASIK surgery commercials, and they're like, or 25 surgery, mm-hmm. both eyes. And it's like, you know that surgery is not going to be four twenty five. Four twenty five is just the surgery, but you need the anesthesia, you need your pills, you need, you know, you need this, you need nurses' care, you need this, you that, the other, the hospital. That you're going to pay more than yep. four twenty five for that surgery. That's true. You're but literally pulling the layers off of what you need to get. 
right, but people get so excited. I don't, you know, I think it's a mental thing. It really is a mental thing, you know, like mm-hmm. with prices. You say eight ninety nine instead of nine dollars, nine ninety nine instead of ten dollars. Just say ten dollars, you know. But mm-hmm. people are more, they're more willing to buy if it says ninety nine cents. No, that's a dollar. Mm-hmm. And depending on what you buy, it's going to have tax on it. That's true. <laughs> that's why like saying you go to the subway. <laughs> right, you go to subway, you get the five dollar foot long. You get there and you like. Oh, they say you were seven dollars. Well, why? I just said five dollars. Yeah, but you gotta pay tax. It ain't free. <laughs> That's just to get you in the door, right, Leash? <laughs> Absolutely. That's all it is. That's that visual to get you in the door. Then when they get you in the door, that's when they give it to you. Mm-hmm. The actual you the price. business. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm going to be interested in what I guess I have to say. Absolutely, because we can say it's something that is universal, getting what you pay for. I mean, that's universal, especially with women. We have three fabulous women on today. We have April Kelly, um, well, April Fort Kelly, who is actually a banker, and she has written Mm -hmm. her own book as well. So Mm -hmm. excited to have her in the chat room. And we also have an author mm-hmm. as well. So I'm excited to have all three of these ladies in here because everybody knows, especially with those ladies, I think we get hit the most when it comes to purchases. I don't care what the purchase is. I think people mm-hmm. see women and it's like, oh, like we, it's just like an instant thing. Oh, okay. She don't know mm-hmm. no better. So let me see how much I can get, you know, so, I think we get hit with the most. You get what you pay for. I see dollar so signs when I see a woman coming in. Oh, yeah, because they know that this is one thing you know about a woman. A woman is going to pay for the things that she wants. She is going to pay for it. She don't care how much it is. So when it comes down to readers, if the book is good and majority of readers are females, you do have mm-hmm. some male readers, but majority of the people buying books and one-clicking these books are female. And the mm-hmm. thing with that is we're going to pay for it if it's a good product. So if your pen, which is the product, is good, we will pay $15 for your book. We will pay $20 for your book. We will pay $25 for your book mm-hmm. because we know that we get what we pay for. But when you pay $0.99 cents for that book, Sometimes mm-hmm. you might get what you pay for, and then you upset, but you just bought a book for 99 cents. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yes, that's quality mm-hmm. over quantity. Yeah, and I have nothing against 99 cents books. I'm just using it as an example, so don't send me no inbox. Keep it to yourself, right, <laughs> Right, don't send me no inboxes. I'm just, you know, being honest. You know, and, and it's a lot of times that, and I, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, women are bashed. We're not bashed, but I will say we are taken advantage of when it comes to our pockets. Our clothes are overpriced. Our shoes are overpriced. Our makeup is overpriced. Everything is always overpriced when it has something to do with a woman. And really it is, sometimes you get good deals. Like sometimes people just don't charge as much for whatever it is that they're doing. 
and you get a good you get a good outcome from it. But most of the time, you do get what you pay for. Mhm. You do. You really do. And in the end, you say, "Oh man, I shouldn't have even gotten that. I should have just paid an extra so and so and gotten what I really wanted, a better quality." First thing on our mind, right? If you think about mm-hmm. it. Sometimes it's like, I should have went on and followed my first line, but you never do. You never follow your first line. But when it comes to books, when it comes to, I guess, anything in life, I don't believe in being cheap about it. I believe that anything that you're going to have to do, you're going to have to pay for it, especially if you want it done a specific way, if you want it done the right way, and if you want to Mm -hmm. be satisfied with the way it's done. So everything Mm -hmm. cannot be free. Because we already know when they say it's free, it's not really free. But especially when it comes to books, you want to make sure that your ed- certain things are just on point, especially your editing and your formatting. Why? Because that's the interior design of your book. Mm-hmm. That's interior. That's that that's part of eye candy. That's mm-hmm. why, like, if you notice women, when we go out, we go to different places, we have to look good from head to toe. We have to be consistent. That's so... True. When it comes to the work you put out, it should be the same thing. Mm-hmm. Because your book itself, the outside of the book, the cover, that's part of the eye candy. That's part of the thing that draws them in. The synopsis, that's part of the eye candy. That's part of the thing that draws them in. But that interior of the book is part of the eye candy as well. Because if your font is too big, if the font is too small, if you have too much white space, that's frustrating for a reader to have to go through. If it's mm-hmm. not edited properly, that's frustrating for a reader to have to go through. So you want to make sure that it's always mm-hmm. – go ahead, see. No, and I was going to say, you know, a lot of fluff comes with, you know, when you don't pay for – sometimes you're paying for a lot of fluff, a lot of filler, in other words. You know, you're not getting a full, true product. And I'm glad you brought up um, – uh, authors in their books because as a reader, I would pay whatever an author puts the price tag on that book because since we've been doing this, leash, I have such such respect for what an author goes through just to give us mm-hmm. a finished product in our hands to enjoy. It's not just a matter of writing words on a piece of paper and then getting it published. There is so much behind the scenes that you and I haven't been exposed to, whereas you know, the, the the level of appreciation, admiration, and just the, the thought that they go through all of this just to give us a good, good book to read. So I don't mind paying $10. I used to pay $25 for hardcover. So you like you are so right in what you say when you say you get what you pay for. And I'm paying for quality, and I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely, especially those authors that write about their lives. Like, they don't take their life and put it in fiction, which is, I'm mm-hmm. not saying anything is wrong with that because that's the best way to do speak without anybody feeling away. They might feel away, but it's fiction, even though mm-hmm. you just dish everybody's tea in the book in a fictional manner, changing names or whatever you had to do. But that's the way to be able to freely tell about your life. Um, time when you really have something that you have gone through and somebody writes a memoir. It's kind of hard because nine times out of ten you've already gone through it. So when you're writing about it, you have to go through it again. And so Mm -hmm. I take in consideration the mental and emotional um, 
kind of stress that that puts on an author's pen because it's already hard to and stressful to write. You're, you're writing, especially if you work from home or even if you work. That means you have to make sure you have hours to write a certain amount of words. Then you have to go to work. You got kids. You got a husband. You got this. You got that. Life is already stressful. But if you're reliving something in your life that is so painful or that was a difficult process for you to learn mm-hmm. and grow from, then it's hard to be able to write that over again because you have to relive it. But then to turn around and expect that person to charge $5 for their book or $2 for their book or $0.99 cent for their book, you're not asking James Patterson $0.99 cent for his book. I'm just mm-hmm. saying don't send me no inboxes. It's we got a hand up, too. We're going to take this hand, okay. 404-834. You're live in the chat room. What's your name and where are you calling from? This is Brandy, calling from Atlanta. Hi, Brandy. Hi, Brandy. How hey. are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Yeah. Awesome. You're a little early, but that's okay. I know. I'm going to take you. calling at 7 o'clock. <laughs> you okay. You okay. For everybody who doesn't know who you are, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your work. Well, my name is um, Brandy Davis, and I'm the author of The High Price I Had to Pay For, um, which was released a couple months ago, and it's a memoir about my life um, and my life experiences that um, led me to be incarcerated on a 10-year sentence in federal prison. Mm-hmm. So I'm just now getting home. Wow. I came home on May 3rd. I'm just now getting home, you know, getting back into the groove of things, but I basically wanted to write a book to tell my story and share it with girls who experience the same things that I've been through in life or are experiencing at this current moment in their life. And hopefully it can help them make better decisions than I did, you know, mm-hmm. to be incarcerated in prison. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, and yeah. you right up there, what Misha and I was talking about, you know, you put all that hard work into um, a book. You, you, you trying to help the next person up and, you know, you, it's literally you pay for, you know, you pay for what you get. How do you feel about our topic tonight, Brandy? I really like it. Actually, I was listening in. Everything you um said really had truth and meaning to it, and it can relate mm-hmm. in different aspects of your life. You know, right. like you said, with women, the clothes, and then you're speaking in regards to the books. You know, and I feel as women, we do kind of get the short end of the stick when it comes to certain things. In relation to that, in my experience, I feel like that was prison, too, because I, when I was incarcerated, I seen so many women come to prison getting hefty sentences for crimes that were nonviolent. Like, mm-hmm. they were coming in with, mm-hmm. with time, like they killed somebody or something, you know? And mm-hmm. I just Absolutely. felt it was unfair, you know? And a lot of girls, they were in there because of their boyfriends. They might have been in a relationship or married to their husband, and he might have been doing some things, and just because she wouldn't testify against him or, you know, cooperate to give him more time on his sentence or help convict him, they'll throw her in prison, too. It's like a a tactic that they use, like they get the girl, you know, to try to get the guy to flip or vice versa, you know? So I think that Mm -hmm. we get put in the middle of situations, too. It's like you can't win for losing type of thing, or you I mean, you you damn if you do, damn if you don't. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, now I gotta. Yeah. Say, this is Leisha. We have to say who we are because we sound so much alike. 
But your book <laughs> is the high price I had to pay for. Um, you had to pay for a little bit about your story. We know that you had to spend 10 years incarcerated. Um, but tell us just mm-hmm. a little bit more about, about your story, just uh, for the listeners who don't know it. Okay, well, the title of my book is The High Price I Had to Pay For It, but in, you know, in the smaller caption at the bottom of the book, it's called, it's, it also says a product of the game. And what I mean by that is, you know, growing up, I grew up in a family and my dad was a hustler. So even though he was a hustler, he tried to provide a life for me and my sister that would deter us from going down the same path as he did, you know, and he did everything for us. We lived in the suburbs. I went to private school and everything. And he did everything he could to keep me away from that lifestyle. But growing up, seeing the gifts and the things that he lavished my mom with, I always grew up saying I wanted a man to treat my treat me like my dad does my mom. So that was my norm. But really, that's not the typical norm of an average, you know, or working family, the lifestyle that we led. So that led me to deal with guys that could provide the things that my father did for my mom and provided for us growing up, which led me to deal with that guys that were involved in illegal activity. So basically I started from when I was a child all the way up into my adulthood, up until the day I caught my case, you know, so it could take you through my life a little bit at a time. So you can see how I ended up where I was at. And, you know, I'm not saying I didn't do nothing. I did. You know, I was guilty for the crime that I did, you know. But now when I was incarcerated and, you know, I had time to sit back and think and reflect on my life and also look at other people's lives that was coming through the doors, I was Mm -hmm. able to realize where I went wrong and the decisions that I made to lead me to where I was at. Mm. So That's powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Because mm-hmm. I have a 15 year old son, and I always have to, I have to, to look as parents. We have to look at, you know, what we want our kids to have. And a lot of mm-hmm. times we dress, they live in our world, the world that we present for them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, and it's different from the real world because our world yep. is set up in a box. We have in our own personal box where we restrict this, we restrict that, they see this, they see this, mm-hmm. they don't see that, but it's not really um, a real realization of a situation. Like he was showing you how to treat, how your mother should be treated, but at the same time, you guys never experience the real um mm-hmm things that it takes to be in a situation like that. Even yep. in a marriage where whether it's an abusive marriage or even if it's, if, if, if it's just a marriage where you have your mom and your dad, a lot of times people see, have seesaw vision. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They see it, they want it, but they don't know what it takes to get to where they are. They don't know the inside of any arguments or disagreements or ups or downs or walks. They don't know that. And so people just see the package that's presented. So for you, you thought it was one way and found out it was something else. Totally different. Exactly. So what are some of the things that or some advice 
that from the experiences you have learned that you would give to young women today to let them know that, uh, you know, this this might not be what you think it is all the time. Yeah, my advice to young women is, you know, and when I came home, social media wasn't like that when I left. So when I came home, you know, this social media thing kind of took me by surprise. So when I went on there, I seen, you know, all these people flashing money, you know, all the girls posting their high-end bags and their shoes. And I feel like that is like a fantasy world, you know. But when girls or people in general look at that, they crave to have what they see those people, that those people have. And they'll go to any means of extremes to obtain it, not thinking about the consequences that come with their decisions and their actions. And one thing where I messed up at, like, I went to college and everything. Like, I have a college degree in mortuary science, but I never utilized it because I was too busy ripping and running the streets. And I always had a man take care of me. So what I would say to women or these young girls, you know, they're in these relationships, and these guys, you know, they taking care of them and they paying their bills and they doing this and that for them. But at the end of the day, if something happened to him, your whole world going to come crashing down. And I experienced mm-hmm. that with my son's father. You know, he took care of me. He provided a a high a, a lifestyle for me that was extravagant. But the day he incurred it, I had like $7,500 worth of bills a month. So how am I maintain that lifestyle when he in prison? I solely depended on him. So mm-hmm. it took me all the way back down to reality where I was pregnant, three, four months pregnant with my son, and I had to go back home and move with my parents, you know, which was kind of mm-hmm. I felt embarrassed about fancy cars, and I went all the way back down to living with my parents, you know. So you would think that that experience was humbling to me, but it didn't do nothing but make me figure out how I can get it to maintain that lifestyle that I was used to living, you know. And that's how I got involved with the guy that I caught my case with. If you read the story, you know, the guy that I was involved with and caught my case with trying to trying to maintain that lifestyle, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would Absolutely. just tell these girls, you know, you know, be independent, work for yourself, do you for you. So at the end of the day, no matter what happened in your life, you'd be able to hold your own and maintain yourself, you know, because it's not worth it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And because women are, we're nurturers. And a lot of times, mm-hmm. We get wrapped. We will get wrapped up in someone else's world real quick. We'll get wrapped up mm-hmm. in our kids' world. We get wrapped up in our in our husbands. We're just wrapped up in our family's world. And you, a lot of times, you forget about yourself, and you end up mm-hmm. just existing instead of living. You know, or you get wrapped up in work because you're wrapped up in bills. Because you know, you're a single mother. You got to do this. You got to do that. But the question I have for you, because you spent ten years behind the wall, and then you have to come home and do all of these things. How was that process for you coming back home and the world has totally changed and life for you is totally different? Being able to get back to work, to to stay on track, to stay focused, what was that process like for you? Yes, it is. Oh, hold on. I think we lost it. Okay. Say that one more time. Hello? Okay, there you go. We didn't hear oh, you say that one more time. There you go. 
I couldn't hear you neither. So can you repeat it? Oh. I'm sorry. Yes. I think we had like a bad connection. I was saying, (laughs) that's what I was saying, that a lot of times women are nurturers. And we get Mm -hmm. wrapped up in someone else's life real quick, whether it's our family, our men, our job, our children. Mm -hmm. But when you come home after spending 10 years behind the wall and you literally have to start all over and the world has changed so much, tell us a little bit about how that process was for you to stay focused and move forward. Well, when I was incarcerated, my father, my father passed away. We were co-defendants, but um, when he was in prison, he got real sick. He um, had dementia, so they ended up releasing him on compassionate release. That's like something that um, the BOP, they look over the person's medical, you know, file or whatever, and usually the prison, they write um, to request that, and he ended up coming home for six months and ended up passing away. Um, he passed away in February, and I came home in May. So for me, having a father that was um, constantly a constant factor in my life and me coming home with him not being here was like a shocker to me. And really, right now, I it don't feel like it's real. I still haven't really went through the grieving process, you can say. So it's like mm-hmm. coming home and dealing with that and me coming home different you know, I came home different than maybe what people expected. They might have been expecting the old Bernie to come home, but I came home different. So, you know, I went through my little bouts and issues, you know, with, you know, close family and friends, you know, till we got used to each other a little bit, you know, because some of the things that they did, I didn't do no more, you know, or some things they like enjoying doing, I don't enjoy no more. So it kind of was like a thing where they might have thought that I was acting funny or feeling some kind of way, but they just didn't realize that I was, I changed, you know, so I had to deal with that, you know, which was kind of hard to deal with. Then I came home basically starting from nothing. So that was kind of stressful on me too, but, you know, I prayed about it and, you know, and I'm strong in my faith and I was just end up being blessed when I came home. I instantly got a job maybe three three weeks after I came home, and it was I still got the same job now, and I pay I make really good money. Like I even moved up the ladder in the job field, you know where I work at. So I'm able, you know, I live on my own now. Like I came home in May, I ended up getting my own place in October. So you know I had to stay focused, you know, and keep my eye on the prize and not get caught up with the things that was surrounding me, especially living in Atlanta. You know, it's like a party town. You know, I don't drink, I don't indulge in those things no more. So I had to stay focused on what I needed to do because a lot of people, they still hang out, they still drink, but I really don't do that. You know, so it's Mm -hmm. like I had to stay focused on me and building my relationship back with my son, you know, and getting readjusted with the kids and my family. I left when one of my nephews was one, my niece was two, my baby was three. My other nephew was eight, my other nephew was 11, 8, 20, 17, 11, 10, you know, so I had to it's good now. Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit, Brandy. I'm sorry. Yeah, we can hear you now. You're breaking up a little bit. Yeah, I said it was kind of like a struggle because I'm sitting here like, oh, my God, I don't have clothes. I don't have this. My son needs this. I need that, you know. But I just stayed focused and I just worked, you know, and I was able to to get on my feet, and I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Now, how was the, what was the process like between you and, the, and your son? Because when he left, he was a baby. Now he's not a baby anymore. He has, well, you, you know, thoughts, opinions, and boys got smarter mouths than girls. I understand everybody got girls. Mm-hmm. They always say, you know, girls got smart mouths. But boys, they really got smart mouths. So how was that <laughs> oh, process of you being able to, to kind of ring him back in? Um, you know, because I'm going through that. I'm going through that right about right now, to be honest with you. Like me and my son's relationship has always been tight because my family made sure I seen him a lot throughout my whole incarceration. So the bond was always strong, but him staying with grandma and him going through the things that he was going through, they kind of like, um, gave him a little leeway or a little pass when it came to certain things, you know, things that he'd get away with my mom. I wouldn't have went for that if I was home. So more so disrespect. No, my thing with him is um, like boundaries, you know, like he had Instagram, he had all that and I tried to monitor it the best way I can. But like I had to take all that away from him because it was like, he's having an issue with these little girls. You know, it's just like these kids is going up way too fast. Where 
he like got one foot over and then the other foot on the other side, so he's straddling the fence. He don't know if he want to be grown on Monday or a kid on Tuesday. Uh-huh. He's not quite sure yet. And then sometimes he gets mixed up because it's like he feel he a big kid, but then when he realizes and see like a lot of work that has to be done, and it's like I don't think I don't think this is what I want to do right now. You know, exactly. because it's like he see it. He's like, oh, this, this is some interesting stuff here. <laughs> Get yes. bills. No, no, I don't pay bills. You know, I got a mama. Mm-hmm. My mama. And my, my mom and my stepdad take care of everything. I don't have no worries. But mm-hmm. when you step out of, uh, outside into the real world, it's a little different. It is. Yeah. And, like, at home, he was like, oh, all up underneath me, mama this, mama that. And I went through his phone like, oh, uh-uh, this ain't the baby. I know mama this, mama that at home. <laughs> you know, it, it blew my mind, girl. Like, I was distraught. For real. <laughs> I know. Because they, they so just, I, it's just a whole something else. Now, what was his um, relationship like with his dad? I know you talked about his dad. How was it like having that relationship with him? And be it, I just want to take you back a little bit because that's a rough mm-hmm. relationship, having a relationship with someone that's incarcerated because mm-hmm. they have a whole, you know, it's a whole different world for them. And it's very stressful on relationships. How was that for for him and yourself being able to um, keep them connected if you were able to? Well, actually, you know, his dad went to prison when I was pregnant. So when my son was born, he was born in December of 05. His dad ended up passing away in prison in September of 06. So he don't Mm -hmm. remember his dad or know his dad at all. He called my dad daddy growing up so he don't have no recollection or anything about his dad but mm-hmm. you know things that we share with him or tell him more pictures and stuff like that so he never really was able to develop a bond with his father because he passed away when he was nine months mm-hmm. wow. so wow. he called my dad dad you know he called my daddy daddy coming up and then my dad got incarcerated with my son my dad went to prison. If I went when he was three, my dad went like a couple years after me, maybe. So my baby was like five, and then he passed away when my son was ten. So mm-hmm. he kind of he been through a lot because like his mom was in jail, then the other only father his dad passed away, and then the only father that he known went to prison and passed away six months after he came home. And then when my dad came home, he was sick, so he really didn't remember things anyway. So mm-hmm. my baby kind of been through a lot as a kid, and he only eleven. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that also can in- impact how children react to certain things as well, Brandy. This is Tony. Uh, I have been okay. really to the to the show uh, by the things that you're sharing, and we appreciate you for sharing your journey with us because you never know who's Thank listening you. and at what stage they are in their own lives that they can probably relate. And, and see how you have persevered and overcome and grown from the experiences that you've shared. So we so appreciate you for doing that. Um, Thank but you. I just wanna, you're very welcome. I just wanted to go back because um, Renee All Held the Queen, was that your very first book? Who, me? Mm-mm, it's not yes. the same Renee. Okay, I mean, okay, this is, I'm this trying to. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't think that that's the same one. No, there, uh-uh. yeah, there's an author. There's an author by the name of Brandy Davis, but the end of her name has oh. an I-E. I-E, oh, okay. okay, gotcha. Okay. 
Yeah, this is my first book. But I memoir. But you know, if you if you think about the 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 life that you actually live and how mm-hmm. they portray a lot of women in street lit books when mm-hmm. he's the boss. It, mm-hmm. it, they mirror each other. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you have to, I think in any situation, a woman in a certain position has to be a certain way, especially if she's the boss. And so a lot of times mm-hmm. it will mirror a lot of things that you have to go through and a lot of things that you have to experience. But I want to go back because you mentioned that you and your dad were co-defendants. So mm-hmm. when you got hooked up with the guy, he ended up, was it a situation where you and your father both ended up um, getting in trouble just from dealing with him, or was it two totally yeah. different situations? Yeah, it's okay. It was all the same thing. It was all in relation to him. The whole, you know, the case was all of us together. Wow. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, it was all of us together. So yeah, it, it was just crazy because I, I kind of, well, I still still do to this day. I kind of deal with a lot of guilt because it's like, for me, you know, I was dating this guy and I brought him around my family. You know, my dad kind of took him in as a son. You know, you know, he took a liking mm-hmm. to him and things like that. And it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. I feel like me bringing him around, it destroyed my family. So, you know, after everything that transpired in regards to that whole situation, you know, I carry that guilt on my back from the day I caught my case all the way through my prison bed, even now since I came home because it's like my dad not here. And I'm like, dang, if I ain't never bring him around, would my dad have ever gotten in trouble and would he, he would have never got sick in prison? You know, he could have been at home enjoying them years with his family. So it's like, you know, I, I still carry around a lot of hurt and guilt, you know, but I know, I mean, I'll get through it with time. You know, everything is still kind of fresh and new for me, but that's something I feel that I'm going to carry with me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, like the what is. Mm-hmm. And Brandy, this is Tony. Um, it sounds like you left a lot of blood, sweat, and tears on these pages that you're sharing with uh, your readers. How long did it take you to, to write the book? And, and how was it? Was it a roller coaster ride reliving all of those things that you, you, you experienced? Well, actually, you, it didn't take long at all to write the book. You know, I got my prison sister, her name Jamila Davis or whatever, and we kind of, when we first met each other, it's like we clicked when she came to the prison where I was at, and it's like instantly we clicked. We got a lot of similarities. We both strong-minded. We both opinionated. We both argumentative, and we we stand by what we believe in, you know, and when once we got to really get to know each other, she was like, oh, my God, like, yo, you need to share your story. Like, your life is crazy, like just looking at you, you wouldn't have known the things that you mm-hmm. experienced in life. So mm-hmm. we sat down. She's like, I'm going to help you. Like, I was like, I'm not no writer. I don't know how to write no book, you know, yada, yada. And she's like, I'm going to help you. She's like, all you got to do is we sit back and we chop it up like we're having a conversation. And, you know, you summarize it and you put it in a story. And, you know, mm-hmm. I had to relive some of the experiences. And it was hurtful, you know. You know, it was it was good highlights, you know, where I look back and I laughed and we giggled about things. And then there were mm-hmm. certain things that, you know, took me to a dark place, you know. For example, when mm-hmm. my son father passed away, you know, the day I caught my case, you know, the betrayal that I encountered with people that I was close to me, 
you know, all the way up to the day I was on video visit with my dad and he passed away. So, you know, it was, it was kind of an emotional roller coaster, you know, some good, some sad, some bad, you know, but I think I needed to, to do that because in all actuality, it was therapy to me, you know, things that I had bottled up inside, I was able to release some emotions and, you know, I sat there with her, we cried together, we laughed together. So, I was able to release some of those emotions and work through some of those things before I came home. And I actually finished the book the day before I went home. Like I did the last chapter. Yep. I stayed up that night right before I went home. It was all the way up to the day before I went home. So it is like, it took you from my childhood all the way to I was about to step foot out of prison, Mm -hmm. you know? So now what was the name of the woman that helped you write it? Oh, Jamila Davis. Yeah, she's an author. Actually, my book is part of a series that she started. Hers is the first book, The High Price I Had to Pay, and it's a part one, part two, you know, part three and part four. Mm-hmm. So wow. I, I, we did it, and I, I was like, you know what? You know, we made it a part of her series of books because it's like a series, the high, price I had, the, the high Price I Had to Pay series. So mine mm-hmm. is part four of the book. You know, it just takes you through different women's lives that, were incarcerated through their life experiences because you kind of see, you know, where they started and how they ended up where they were at. It's a good mm-hmm. series, actually, because a lot of people who bought my book that really didn't know about the series, they went ahead and bought the rest of the book. So they'll post it on Instagram, like, I read all of the books or look what I just bought, you know. So it, it's, it was a good partnership mm-hmm. that I did with her. Mm-hmm. Now, what's yeah, her name? Oh, huh? I'm home next month. This is Tony. Was it empowering for you to put it all on the pages and leave it there and just and and you personally held yourself accountable for for the things that had happened? Was it empowering for you? Yeah, I, I feel like it was a relief and empowering because it's like, you know, when you live in that that type of lifestyle, it's like everything is so secretive. You know what I'm saying? How you move, where you go, where you live, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. So I was able to just put everything out there and, you know, let my, my guard down. And I'm kind of a standoff person. So for me, it was one of the first times that I was vulnerable, you know, and just was able to expose myself. And mm-hmm. I didn't have a problem doing it because I know what I went through over them years. And I'm like, well, let me give my all and expose myself and be transparent. And hopefully it'll help somebody else. If it helped one person, I felt like, I did what I wanted uh, that I was supposed to do, mm-hmm. you know, like me sharing my story. If that can change one person's life or change one person from making a decision that I made, I'm happy mm-hmm. with that, you know. So at the end of the day, I was just like, yes, you know, it it was a it was a really I good feeling. Imagine. Absolutely, yes. Mm-hmm. And I want to go. I have a good another question. I want to know about the relationship mm-hmm. between you and your mom because I think that a lot of times. You were you were incarcerated for ten years. Her husband was incarcerated. You know, mm-hmm. life for her was was a little different. You know, she was, was not doing all the things that she was used to, and now she has, you know, a child to take care of, or the kids to look out for, and she didn't have mm-hmm. really that support that she once had. So when you came home, how was your relationship with your mom? Being able to like, did you have to rebuild that or? Yeah, we had to rebuild it. No, it was it was still solid, but like I said, we had to rebuild that because my mom knew me to be a certain way, 
in a certain person. You know what I'm saying? And when I came home, mm-hmm. like, I changed my religion. Um, You know, I, I converted to Islam while I was in prison. So they had to get used to that, you know, and, and things of that nature. And mm-hmm. it was just like, I feel as if it, we had to get through. We had our little bouts where we had discussions. Um, like, I, it's hard to explain. Like, I think she kind of felt a certain way. Um, because she felt, and I had to let her know I appreciate her. She felt underappreciated because it was all about my dad. And like I told you guys at the beginning, like, I felt a certain way because I felt that guilt. So my dad got sick when I caught, what's up with my dad? Or how my dad? How my dad? And I think she kind of felt underappreciated, which it wasn't like that. But I had that guilt on me. And, you know, when I came home, we had to have, you know, a sit down and talk about a lot of things. Because she had a, a lot of emotions or things that she went through and how she felt about certain things in my life that maybe I did before I left. So we kind of, like, had to, we had to clear the air, you know, because it, we, we wasn't at a, in a good place. You know, she felt mm-hmm. I came home and I, bitter and with mm-hmm. animosity. But really, she didn't know what the things mm-hmm. that I was struggling with within myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And then at the same time, so, you know, I want to go back a little bit. Did your mom like the guy when you brought him home? Or did she my mama, give you my like a like this. You know, like, mm-hmm. My mom like this. She like, she know I'm the type of person, like, I'm going to do what I want to do regardless. That's how I was. I don't get a dang on what you say. You tell me mm-hmm. don't touch the stove, I'm going to touch the stove. You tell me don't dry that way, I'm going to go that way. So even if she did, she felt a little inkling. Like, she liked him, but my mom's intuition was kind of like, hmm, you know, but it was you grow yeah, or whatever makes something. you happy. It was, uh-huh. yeah. That so was it was like, <laughs> she had an intuition like, like when I started getting involved in the drug game, I didn't say nothing to her. But I guess from her, she did she have an home, idea? Yeah, because I'm dropping my baby off. I'm leaving. I'm coming back in two days. I'm staying for two days. I'm leaving. I'm coming back in two days. You get what I'm saying? So she like, what the hell is you doing? Mm-hmm. You get like, okay, what is you doing? So when she said something to me, I'm like, man, I ain't doing nothing. Yada, 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 whatever, whatever. And then... Mm-hmm. She knew, you know, and she even said something before to him, like, don't, my daughter, don't, don't make make sure my daughter, okay, I don't, my daughter don't need to be in no trouble, basically, in so many words, you know, so she kind of threw it out there, like, yeah, I know, but nothing bad not happened to my daughter, so the day I got locked up, she knew it because I was supposed to go to her house and pick my son up with him, and and she know what time I was supposed to get home. So when I, she said she, when I ain't called, she said I, she, she knew something was wrong and she got in her car and started driving around, like looking for me, like to see if she see anything. And when I got arrested, I called her. She, 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 right. she, like, mm-hmm. she answered the phone like, hello. I'm like, ma, you know, I'm arrested. They say I'm arrested for drug distribution or whatever. And she was like, you could just tell, like she knew even about when she answered the phone that someone, right? Like, that's what she was anticipating on that phone call that something had happened. Mm-hmm. So she was real hurt by that. She was hurt. 
It took a toll on her. And you know, it took a, even though mm-hmm. your parents, you know, they probably discussed it. Because most likely, you know, a lot of times your parents discuss stuff, but they can't, mm-hmm. when they discuss things, they can't discuss it with other people once they discuss it. So mm-hmm. she could have said something to dad, and they could have had a discussion, and she very well couldn't come out. Because then that would be kind of going back on their relationship and they untrusted yeah. understanding. So she got to have to feed you a little bit. She had to see, mm-hmm. so what you doing? Like, I already know yep. the answer to the question. And a lot of times moms do that. I know the answer to the question, but I'm going to ask you to see if you're going to keep see lying. What say. Because I, I mm-hmm. just, yeah, I can't tell you, you know, because he told me not to say nothing or this is the conversation we have, but. I'm already knowing, you know what? so I'm going to see if she's going to talk to me and break it down right. And you know what? We had a discussion after I came home, and um, she was like, I've been knew what you was doing. You know, she said that to me, like, I knew what you was doing. You ain't think I know, and I knew. You know, she was like, and how do you think that made me feel when you left? You know, I had to take care of your son, and I was with him in the middle of the night when he was waking up crying, asking for his mom, like, she broke down a lot of stuff to me, like, that I didn't know the effects that me being gone had on my son. Because every time, you know, I'm in jail, you know, they gone. They don't want to stress me out. So they like, everything's fine. I didn't know my baby was making up in the middle of the night crying for me. You know, I didn't know she mm-hmm. she was up with him, you know, going through that. So it was just a lot. Like, our relationship is getting better. But like I said, I think we just was both dealing with mixed emotions, you know, my dad not being there, I was thinking, like, damn, does she blame me for him being in prison? Well, how she feel right. about it? You know, it was just that type of thing. But mm-hmm. things getting better. But she not the same. She was with my dad since she was 16. She almost 60. Wow. Oh, so it's her life not the same. You know, so it's just a big change for the whole family that we got to get I used to. And then, absolutely. And how did they receive you writing this book? Did you have some people that felt away, some people that felt like you should not have written it? Uh, were there some things that, you know, everybody was like, well, maybe you should just talk about this and not talk about this? Mm-hmm. You know, where you were restricted over being able to say what you, you know, was on your spirit to say? No, everybody really, that's, that really, you know, my friends and family, they love the story, you know, and they just congratulated me on opening up like that and exposing myself. You know, nobody... I, I didn't say anything that, you know, no dirt or throw shade on nobody like that. I basically spoke in regards to me, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and me and how my decisions affected me and my family, mm-hmm. you know. So it really, it got nobody really could be mad where I don't think they are, you know, from reading the story. And pretty much everybody really well, enjoyed it. Well, if they are, they'd be okay. <laughs> I mean, it's too late yeah, now. It's already out there. Yeah, it's already out there. And it probably yeah, answered a whole lot of questions, you know, that people have, you know, that they didn't want to just come out and ask you. Right, and it's crazy because I didn't think I was going to get the response that I did because I'm like, okay, I'm little old me just coming from prison, but it feels so good, like, when I go on Instagram and people reposting, like, look what I got in the mail, and it's my book. And I get so many DMs from girls, like, that caught federal cases who about to turn themselves in, asking me what they need to do before they turn themselves in, what classes and programs can they take, and just 
like DMing me for advice, like, oh, I'm with my boyfriend, he's in the street, he sells drugs, you know, I really love him, but I want to get caught up and stuff because I read your story and I see how easy it was for you to get caught up. What you think, you, you know, what should I do? Like, it's just, it just makes me feel good knowing that me sharing my story is touching other people's lives, you know? Like, I didn't never think that I would get the response back that I did in regards to the book. It, it, like, it surprised me. Well, I just downloaded my copy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I just you. downloaded my right. copy. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, we, you. we love books here on the set. And so, yeah, <laughs> a lot of times it's, it's like, that's why we do what we do. Because a lot of times new authors, especially if they um, do a memoir and nobody knows who they are and Mm-hmm. They don't have that fan base or those that look at word of mouth on and we bring them mm-hmm. on the chat for people to be able to experience them uh, and and say, okay, because we have to be able to, as readers, experience the author's passion. A lot of times it's mm-hmm. in their writing. But when you don't know them, it's within the story of their life. And so you yeah, like get to, to, to one clip, yeah, just, just based off of what you're saying, it's like, wow, I got to find out what, because she ain't saying some stuff. Let me find out what she's talking about. What's going on here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right about now, that. But. How how are you going about as far as moving around and marketing your book? Are you going to book events? Are you doing book signings? How was that process for you? Because, you know, um, I remember we had Freeway Rick Ross on the show, and he talked mm-hmm. about the book game being identical to the drug game. It's just a different type of mm-hmm. product. And so he, he broke it down that way. But how was it for you? Because the book industry is a whole, whole different industry. How was it for you learning that paperback hustle and, and being able to move your books around, get to know people, and allow people that you really don't know to step into your world a little bit? Well, right now it's like I'm really starting to do things because, you know, I'm still on probation. So I had to get that report with my probation officer. Like, I showed her the book. Yeah, and I let her know that I got, you know, this going on. And she was like, okay, cool. If you want to go do events, you know, just give me a certain window of time so I can approve for you to go. So I haven't Mm -hmm. really went to do certain book signings. And, you know, some people came at me that want me to do certain promotion events, but that's not really the lifestyle that I lead anymore. You know what I'm saying? Or live anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, certain, certain, I've turned down a lot of things because it's like, I'm not going to go be in a club or, or not saying that I don't go out. I still go out with the type of crowd that it is, you know, like that's not me no more. So I'm not sitting here mm-hmm. on this side of the fence trying to tell my story to prevent people from making mistakes. And then I'm go out here just to get a couple of dollars and promote something that's totally against what I'm, what I'm for right now, you know? So I, I've turned down a lot of things. I did interviews, um, I am looking forward to doing book sign. It's not that the book has gotten out there a lot. So a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, want me to do certain things. Um, like I've been invited to a, a women's conference in May in Las Vegas that they're doing, um, you know, to speak with at-risk youth and things like that. I also mm-hmm. um, got a proposal mm-hmm. to go down to Palm, um, West Palm Beach, Florida. I have, I've been speaking with a lady that runs the drug courts down there. And they do things down there, and she said she wanted to see how she can buy my book in bulk, you know, so when they do certain things mm-hmm. with the drug court, they can oh, share my story, awesome. and I can go speak to people, too. So it's like God has opened up, you know, a lot of doors for me, 
And it's crazy because it's like, okay, drug court, things like that. Whoever would have known or, or imagined that I was on this side of the game. Now I'm working on this side, you know, but mm-hmm. it's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing. So I'm really looking forward Absolutely. to doing things like that. That's what I'm looking forward to doing. Absolutely. Now, you, you're you here in Atlanta, right? Because, yes, I'm in Atlanta. Or are you in Detroit? Because uh-uh. I know you're I'm from Detroit. Mm-hmm. Now, Detroit, they have, uh, it's called Full Book. And it's author uh, Michelle Moore owns the bookstore, but that's mm-hmm. the author. She always welcomes the authors. They have um, like a book signing within her store, and mm-hmm. people come in. She has always has book clubs. There's a book club that comes where you get to just meet and greet with readers, have a good time in literature, sign books. Oh, it's okay. an awesome experience. Mm-hmm. So if you are um, looking for a place to put your book. Or yeah, um, do a book signing. I would look into that into her books, and then you know here in um, Georgia, then there's Nubian Bookstore, which is in oh, okay. Morrow, Georgia. Mhm. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. See, look at you. You helping me out here. I would love to do something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I would love for you to look into that for me, especially in Detroit, because um. I do still have friends and family there, so it wouldn't be nothing for me to go up there and take a trip for a day or two to do that. And then have my friends mm-hmm. and family come up there and support me as well. Mm-hmm. Is that when we have our live show, Leash? Say it again. No, that's a, something different. Okay. <laughs> so I called Yeah, that's a, a different thing. You okay, girl. You all right. Okay, good, because she told me 7. I'm like, oh, okay, let me hurry up, because I was cooking dinner for my baby. Like, let me hurry up and call before 7. Mm. Well, we have so appreciated you. What else is Thank you. I enjoyed you, girl. (laughs) What else is in store for you, Brandy? This is Tony. I'm just sitting back just enjoying the interview, letting Alicia do all the work. She just got me over here riveted, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm actually like, okay, like I've been – I've been propositioned to do a lot of things, but like I said, right now I'm kind of picking and choosing because everything ain't good. Every all money ain't good money, you know. You know, mm-hmm. I've been asked to do a couple of things as far as reality TV, but that's really not my thing. I expose mm-hmm. myself enough, you know, and I feel like when you go into that world, it's something totally different, you know. So right now I'm just looking forward into um I want to start a foundation, you know, for at risk at risk youth. I mean, at risk youth and um inner city kids who have parents mm-hmm. or, you know, family members that are incarcerated. So really right, right. now my my focus is on this new generation because it, they something different. Oh, yeah. It's a different they world, They something girl. different. They, they just killing and they, and they doing all this stuff and posting all this stuff on Instagram. That, that wasn't around my time. Like, these, these mm-hmm. kids got a lot of heart. It's a different world, different world. You know, but it's just keep Lisa and I informed in, in of what you do, and we can share, and, I will. you know, whatever support that we can have on our platform. You know, this door, okay. is, this door is always open to you. Anytime you want to come in and just, just, you know, share with us and your audience, so the door is yeah. always open. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. I enjoyed you guys. I can't wait to meet y'all in person. Same here. So, what else? What else can we look from Miss Brandy? Is you, are you going to do a book too, or uh, are you going to stick with this 
this writing game? What's what's what you got? I don't coming out for us. I really I, now with the writing game. I think I'm 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 done with this part of the writing game. But I really did write a, I did write. No, I wrote a fiction book as well based on my life, but fiction. But I think we're gonna turn into something different. Not a book, mm-hmm. but like something more so like maybe a series or something like that. Because mm-hmm. when I let you know I let my people read it, they was like, oh my god, this can't be a book. We got to do something bigger in the book with this. So you you guys might be watching a little something, something soon, you know, uh-huh. that's going to be in a work that I think you would enjoy as well. Well, you keep us informed. And I'm going to close sure this out, um, Brandy. Okay. You have no idea how we have so enjoyed you. But I'm going to ask you a Thank fun you. question because you have run the gamut, girl. You have gone through it all and come out strong. So um, I'm going to ask you a fun question just to wrap us up. How about, how about okay. that? That's fine. Okay. Cool if you that. if you were an animal, what would you be and why? <laughs> uh, animal. Let me think what kind of animal would I want to be. I can see you being a strong, powerful animal. I was about to say a gorilla. <laughs> oh, go ahead, girl. <laughs> I would say a gorilla because I can be very nurturing at times. You know, nurturing uh-huh. at times, but I also am a little crazy. So I think that's like the perfect balance for me a little lady, girl, gorilla. <laughs> now, see, you're the first one I've asked that question to, and I love your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, man. I like that. I like that. And I like gorilla, too. <laughs> well, Brandy, oh, shout out okay. to social media sites so our listeners can follow you and we can stay tuned for all the awesome things you have in store for us. Well, my social media site is Brandy Davis on Facebook and on Instagram. My Instagram name is at Free Pretty Girls. So F R E E P R E T T Y Girls, G I R L S. Okay, now there's more than one Brandy Davis. Is there any distinction between the two? I know. The two? I think Brandy Davis, Detroit, Michigan. Detroit. Oh, but, okay. Mm-hmm, mine is Brandy Davis, Detroit, Michigan, and um, my picture pops up if they see me. But if you go on Afri Pretty Girls, you'll be able to find me on um, Facebook as well. Okay. But we so appreciate you, Brandy, for showing me. Thank you, and guys. We yes. hope you enjoyed it as well. Oh, I did. Yes. I really did. That whole hour went say, by fast. I was telling Tony, I was telling Tony, I was like, I don't know. Should we get in her business or not? Let me just ask I don't question. mind. <laughs> it's okay. I don't mind. I enjoyed you guys a lot. Thank you so much. Well, we, <laughs> okay. We I'll be in touch. You. We really enjoyed the rest of the evening. You too. Take care. Okay. Okay. You too. Bye. 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 I so enjoyed that. You see how I sat back and let you do all the work, girl. (laughs) And I, you know, and I was, I was trying not to, because you know we can be nosy sometimes. And so I was like, well, no, I can't ask that. No, no, I can't ask that either. No.
Yes. She was so receptive, and I, I love, love her so. spirit. It really was. Mm-hmm. She was receptive, and you could just see, like, the passion for what she has to do now. Like, her book, it's, it's not just about making money, but she mm-hmm. is really, really into kind of trying to change and right. be uh, to show young women how not to or to avoid the situations that she is in, but at the mm-hmm. same time to show women that's been in that situation that you have hope. You can you can do something differently. Funny, right. I was thinking about this yesterday because, um, I don't know, I was talking to somebody. You know, you can't really talk with religion with people too much. Mm-hmm. But, you mm-hmm. know, I think that God has us in this world as examples. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? We are examples of, especially when you are a Christian, or you, there's examples of the way things work for you. And when you change your mindset and you focus on him, how your life changes, these are examples. And mm-hmm. the fact that she, she, you can see, like, my mindset changed. Things I used to do, I don't do anymore. Places I used to go, I don't go those places. All money is not good money, and I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. You see what I'm saying? That's, that's an example and a testimony all in itself. Mm-hmm. You know, because that is a testimony all in itself because a lot of times when they come home, it's really hard. I, I'm right. never, I can imagine how hard, it's hard for men. I would think it's even harder for women, especially when mm-hmm. you have a family that you left behind. So now you have to be a mom all over you have to get over that prison mentality all over because they do come home with that prison mentality. It's that that, yep. that specific thought process that's been drilled in their head for however long that they've been gone. And so exactly. now you have to come home. You have to mend fences with your mom. Your father has passed. You have a son that's a little bit older and a little bit, you know, into uh, girls and doing things, and it's like, a lot of that requires mm-hmm. balance, and you got to get your life sometimes, mm-hmm. especially I as a mom. It's like exactly yes, mm-hmm. learning how to go from being everything to just being a regular old you. You know, exactly. when you're so used to being everything and having everything and having life a certain way, when that life, when life changes and when change occurs. It's hard. It's hard to change mm-hmm. up. It's hard to do things differently. Now you got to work. Or, you know, it's hard. Yeah, you don't have this person to fall back on. You don't have that person to fall back on. Life is so different. So I'm glad that she allowed us to just step a little bit into her world, and she was really comfortable with it. So I really appreciate mm-hmm. her. And I wish her nothing but the best. Because and I see good things coming from her. From her. Absolutely, because I know her story goes way deeper than what she talked about. You know what I'm saying? I know it goes way deeper than what she talked about. But Mm -hmm. the fact that she can go and talk to people, women, that are headed in the same direction she was in, and they want to buy her book in both, a lot of people don't get those chances and options and you just came home. And I first you know what I'm saying? That. Where you can, yeah, where you can go home and you come home and these doors start opening up for you. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you have to wait this amount of time and that amount of time, but these things are opening up for her almost like instantly. Mm-hmm. So wow. I'm so happy for her 
I really, really Thank am. You. I'm glad that she allowed us to hear her story here on Let's Chat. I appreciate her. Thank you to Nicola for hooking us up. I appreciate mm-hmm. you, girl. Yeah, We're going to take a, a brief one. break. Yes, it really, really was. We're going to take a brief break, and we're going to have Brandy Phillips. We had all these Brandys on today. We're going to come back with Brandy Phillips. She's going to come okay. in here and talk that talk about her youth magazine. It's okay. uh, the Youth Resources Magazine. She's going to come in here and talk that talk. Let's play a little Let's play a little Blue Marley while we wait for her to step into the chat room. Let's play that Blue Marley in your body. This your boy, Yo Gotti. This 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 I'm hustling. I'ma get it if I have to water whip it is down. 36 O's, drop that in my bank account. Switch the hustle up on their ass and do the same amount. Augusta hustle, catch up to my muscle, bitch. I'm living. Yo, God, it told me he got work. I said, OG, let's get it. They do my dirt with no code defending. I know they snitching. 30 inch wheels, but he broke. That boy got no ambition. I was 16, triple beam, leaning on it. No, the street couldn't hold me. They triple teaming on me. I remember Telling Frank, boy, I wanna bed. Now I'm shopping with my bitch, all she want is Chanel. Went to sleep, count sheep, I woke up count money. If it's right for the price, tell him I said money. Remember, I ain't have a pot to piss in. Started whipping, 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 now look how I'm living. Chili in it, big got all my chains on. Man, I'm about to blow like it's cocaine on. Told that Walker Flocker got that flame on. With my rich home. Hey, hey, this I live. 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 I really live this life for real. I really do this shit for real. A hundred twenty carries. Don't get yourself embarrassed. But I paid for the cross. I could have bought a navy. Four thousand thirty two grams. Say one. Home damn chain. That's what I paid for. When I was young, they lay with your boy, damn fool. Doing it and up on my Benz truck and my old school. You get the picture, the money, it ain't the issue. Six figures before the rap game, now I'm a little richer, homie. Still a real nigga, yeah, and I do real shit. Make West fucking around with star shift to my whole brick. Run down the spring field, nigga, get it how you live. Real recognized, real and don't pay the fucking bill. Broke niggas on chill, got it on them things in the fast lane, burning brain bumping. Jake and I live, I represent no Memphis motherfucker, and this is how I live, motherfucker, this your boy, you got it, man, in it, bitch, got all my chains on, man, I'm about to blow like it's cocaine on, told that walker flocker got that flame on, just be chugging with my rich home, hey, hey, this I live, this I live, this I live, this I live, I really live this life for real, Are you a 
author looking for promotional services or a reader looking for a great read at low prices? In this competitive world of books, Writing Royalty Promotions is dedicated to bringing authors and readers together to build a greater respect for literature through our various promotional services and online bookstore. So head over to writingroyaltypromotions.com and check us out. grasp 
sometimes, and it's hard to maneuver sometimes, you know, when you, when you have to change the process itself because it doesn't feel good all the time. And speaking of change, we got the fabulous April Fort Kelly. She is in here. She's going to talk that money matters with us. You get what you pay for, right? Hey, April, how are you? Yes, can you hear me? Hi, how you doing? Yes, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm so sorry. I I wasn't sure if you guys could hear me on this connection. Yes. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me on tonight. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Absolutely. Now, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your book. Well, my book is called 52 Weeks of Fall in Love with Your Money. Um, it's a financial literacy book that um, compares money to dating. So 52 weeks is going to take you through a journey just like finding your perfect soulmate. You'll find your perfect financial soulmate in the process. So um, I am a, a banker, and I do a lot of financial literacy teaching um, here in the South, in Birmingham, Alabama, Florida, and Texas. And I'm just expanding my brand this year. and and really just reaching out um, to a lot of people who may have been afraid of money because money is kind of taboo to a lot of people. So mm-hmm. 52 weeks is kind of taking that stigma out of money and, and teaching that financial piece of it. I like what you said about comparing money to dating. Um, how did you come up with that concept? This is Tony. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, my my mom, to be honest with you, I wrote the book for my mom initially, mm-hmm. and, the, and the the book was truly a testament to my mom about um, how to recover for when she lost my dad a few years ago, and um, I kind of made jokes about her finding her sugar daddy, and so I would compare because she knew nothing, so I would tell her about the different types of investments and what they meant, and so upon talking to her about that, we would compare uh, her investment accounts to sugar daddies and credit trolls and things like that, and she would think it was funny. So that's kind of where the book came from. Now, what was your draw to the financial world, April? Well, my degrees are in finance. So I've okay. always um, – I wanted to be an attorney when I was growing up, to be honest with you. My grandmother always told me I was going to be an accountant. I wanted to be an attorney, and um, it's kind of a funny story in our – in our uh, home, I was always really good at math. I was only good at math because um, we didn't have money growing up, and the math teacher would give you 50 cents if you could figure out the really hard math problem. So mm-hmm. I would go to school early, figure out the math problem, but then sell the answers to people at school. <laughs> and so um, I would I would make money. That's how I made my money. <laughs> I know that's Selling right. math problems. And, uh, so, but I have never heard of that. But I grew up so, in a church. And, <laughs> yep, that's how I made money. And then um, my dad's actually uh, from Puerto Rico, and um, we would go visit in the summer. So I would tell my little sisters, "Hey, look, I'm going to go talk to these people. They're going to charge. We're going to charge them a dollar per braid if they got off the cruise ship." And um, we would make jokes and say, "Okay, you give me a quarter out of every dollar because I'm your manager." And we were like 12, and my sisters were 10 and 9, and they just thought, okay, cool, we're making money. So we used to braid hair. And so that's just how I've always been. I love the art of making money. I'm always looking for a reason to make money. So that's how it is. Wow. 
Got that early hustle going, girl. <laughs> wow. Now, you know, finance is something that a lot of, 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 of uh, young people tend to, I think plastic is more the norm for them than just making a, feeling actual cash in their hand. What is the difference between, because you can get caught up in that credit, you know, how do, do you, do you um, approach that in your book as far as cash and credit and debt? Yes, we actually call it having a financial threesome. Um, and the way you have that financial threesome is that you mix you mix your money, your cash, and yourself, and you all jump in the bed together. And you have to understand that money is your main dude, but that credit card is actually like your side dude. And um, oh. that he's going to tell if you can't give him what he wants. So um, we talk about that in the book, how you can fall in love with your money with your cash, but he's always leaving you, and he always because the cash leaves, and he comes back, but he leaves you. So the credit card is always going to feel comfortable. It's going to feel, it's going to make you feel like okay, all you have to do is swipe. I'm here for you, but that one time, that one time you can't give him what he wants. Um, maybe it's the wrong time of the month or whatever. You can't give it to mm-hmm. him. What what ends up happening is he tells everybody. He reports bad things about you to people, even though you may not be a bad person. So you have to be really careful with the side dude. So, and like our my book is a little bit more adult than most financial literacy books, and we're working on one that's a little bit more financial love languages um, that I think a lot of people are going to really enjoy because it's going to tell you a lot about yourself and how we relate to money emotionally. So most people, mm-hmm. the way you deal with money. It's the way you were raised. And um, the best thing most people can do in their lives when it comes to their money is to forget what they've been taught when as a kid. Because even myself, I mean, I used to think credit cards were just the thing you applied for to get the 15% off, but you never got it. I've never seen my mom get approved for a credit card. I've never mm-hmm. seen it. So I'd never, when somebody told me I was approved, I was like, approved for what? Like, I just want the 15% off. I didn't even want the card. I don't know what to do with the extra card. I just know that I want the fifteen percent off. Mm-hmm. And that's where the running up of debt occurs. Yeah. Now you said something interesting because you know you saying things with like the threesome. You know that kind of that's an eye catcher. And and what you said and how you explained it that kind of touched me. And I'm sure it probably touched our listeners as well. But um, you know, one thing in, in my household is my husband hates credit and he hates debt so we we buy everything with cash and if we can't do it with cash then we don't really need it so that has been like ingrained in us and that's something that we try to keep teach our children but they look around and they see that people flashing cards and and i'm not sure if you have children but how do you teach them to 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 be careful and that it's really a pitfall when you can build so much credit debt up and especially with school and, and college debt how do, how do you how would you teach a young person that well it's a few things that you're saying because all debt isn't bad debt and all credit isn't mm-hmm. bad so but mm-hmm. ingrained in a lot of us because my dad used to say the same thing if people who use credit don't have cash that's exactly what my dad used to tell me all the time but it's simply not mm-hmm. true because you have to have credit to establish a history so when you get ready to buy a home, when you get ready to do these different things, you have to have some sort of credit. You have to have a history. 
though what I've mm-hmm. taught my son personally, because I have a 12-year-old, I have a 1-year-old and a 2-year-old, but my 12-year-old, we talk more about money. Um, my 12-year-old wrote a book a few years back. He sold about 2,300 copies of this book, so he, he made a few dollars, and now he thinks he's rich most of the time. And um, <laughs> so we talk about this money, and we talk about his checking account, and he's he's charging me right now. The baby said, look, this much, I don't know how much he's into his money. Um, <laughs> he's charging me 20 bucks for me to do this interview right now. And, oh. um <laughs> The reality, yeah. So he's like, he started out at fifty. I was like, I'm not paying you fifty bucks for you to watch them for a few minutes. And he's like, okay, okay, okay. Twenty, ten dollars a kid. You got an hour. But the the thing I tell him all the time is that the best thing I can do for him is to start his five two nine to put him in order because I don't want him having student loan debt. I don't want those things, but I also teach him that he has to be disciplined enough to understand what his credit can do for him and also understand what his cash can do for him. It's a balancing act. Credit is a math formula. So we talk about this math formula all the time. If you can't pay it off, pay it under 30% of the balance because we want to make sure that you're getting those points and you're getting – and he understands it more of a, a point system. Um, mm-hmm. because that's how I explain it to him. You want to make sure you're getting your points. And plus, my son's an athlete, so my son plays basketball. And um, always, so we relate everything back to a sport. So I'm like, hey, this is the game we're playing. In order to get the most points, in order to shoot the three and get the most, you're going to have to pay it under 30%. So the three and the 30, mm-hmm. it all makes sense to him because it kind of goes together. Um, but I also tell him a difference between a revolving debt and installment debt. You're going to have to have trade lines because that's how you're measured. But you also can be a person who um, pays that debt off monthly. And I'll tell you, and I'll, and I'll be totally honest, like I'm, like I tell people all the time that I'm not perfect at all. Like I didn't know these things when I met my husband. My husband had perfect credit, and mm-hmm. I remember I needed a car, and them calling me and saying, "Hey, but what if we just take you off?" And give the car to your husband. I'm like, no, I I'm, I work. I work at the bank. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me to get off mm-hmm. the loan. And mm-hmm. um, but my husband was just raised differently. He was raised in a household that saved, that understood credit. When he turned 18, his mom had a great credit history, and she was able to incorporate him onto her cards and give him good credit. So mm-hmm. there's tricks to the trade with everything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, adding authorized users, adding joint card holders doing all kinds of things that can boost your credit score quickly and, and, and put you in order where you may not need a credit card. Um, with my own personal son, we'll probably just add him to one of ours, and then he won't have to have a card um, except one that we can control. But at some point, you, you, you have to, to let them know that it's, it's, the, it's, it's the game, and you have to either be in the game playing or you're going to ride the bench, and then later on you're going to wish you got in the in the game. So. That's kind of how I look at it. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. I got the the question that everybody asks. How do they expect you to get credit or have good credit if nobody gives you a chance to have credit? Hey, start out with secured loans. Secured loans are, are always, that's how I did it. And I tell everybody, I started out, I had 200 bucks. I saved that 200 bucks. I put like 50 bucks aside for four paychecks and um, called Capital One, got me a secured card, um, and I started my credit and paid them off. And after I think having it a year, Capital One gave me 
a credit card. So that and get your car. Get your car. Doesn't mean you have to keep the car forever. I think what people get confused on is that they feel like they have to make minimum payments. Accelerate it. Me and my husband financed our. We just built our dream house. We financed it for twenty uh, twenty one years. Right. We'll have it paid mm-hmm. off in thirteen. Because we came up with a game plan and said, this is what we're going to do, and this is how it's going to happen. And mm-hmm. so money is a system. Money is not a, a, a magic trick. It's not, I can, you know, you, you can wish. is none of that. What it is is a system. You put yourself in a system and say, this is how much I'm going to spend. And I have to be realistic with myself. My mom depends on me sometimes. She's a single mother, you know, and I have to be realistic with myself, and I put money to the side at the beginning of the year, and I say, okay, this is how much I can lend. And I call it the let me hold something fun. I put that money in an envelope, and when people say, hey, I need this, if I feel like it's a worthy cause, I give it. And mm-hmm. I don't expect it back because half the time you're not going to give it back. But once it's gone, it's gone. Once it's gone, I, mm-hmm. I can't lend no more money. And right. I have to be disciplined enough to say, hey, I don't have it. And then, you know, I have my emergency funds. I have my go-to-hell fund. My go-to-hell fund is my favorite. I'm always chunking money over there. And and so I set up these different accounts. And, you know, sometimes it's just a paper envelope and, and get you a little safe and put them in an envelope and just keep it to the side. It's whatever works for you and your money. There's no magic formula. But I'm here to tell you guys different systems that are being used that can help you find your own system. Mm-hmm. And it also sounds like discipline is, is very much needed to be disciplined. You know, discipline is needed in everything you do in your life. Same way you train your, same way you train your waist, you train your money. You know, the, the best thing somebody can do for themselves when it comes to their money is admit who they are. Like, I know who I am with my money. I'll tell you in a minute. I'm not a shopper. I'm just a thing buyer. Like, I can go to the store, and I'll be like, I'm making lasagna. And I'll go buy, like, $100 worth of groceries to make the gross, <laughs> the worst-tasting lasagna ever. And then I'm going right back to the store to buy the pizza. So I know where I spend my money. And if you know if you're that shoe girl, if you know you're that guy that likes rims on your car, you have to admit that first. Your money is usually tied to whatever emotional thing you're going through in your life. Either you didn't have it. And now you're trying to keep hold of it, or you've seen somebody do really bad with it, and now you're trying to make sure you do really good with it. Or you're like, shoot, we ain't never had no money anyway. I'm just going to borrow till I fall. And that happens too. Mm-hmm. So how you perceive money is usually how you react to your money. Because we're all natural-born husbands. Come on, we can all make money. Because keeping money is the problem. Exactly. Making your money work for you. Now, I always want to take you take you back a little bit. What made you? I know that money has always fascinated you, but what really made you go into banking? Because that's a hard industry for a woman to be in. Yes, I'm actually the only woman uh, in in my office. and the only African-American woman in my office at that, but, um, and, uh, I mean, I'm the only African-American in my office. But anyway, um, I would say that when I was in undergrad at SMU, um, Syntex Home Equity 
I still remember the company, had a job fair. And I just went up and talked to the guy, and he said you could make $24,000 a year. I still remember the, the salary. And I was like, oh, my God, I could buy a Lexus. I had never seen $24,000. I was like, what? I want a car. And my brother was like, dude, you're not going to be able to buy a Lexus with that. And I'm like, yes, I can. And I started working for them um, as someone who did loans over the phone because they said, oh, you talk a lot. You'll be able to do this. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'll do it just because I want the money. And I knew nothing about it. I was an accounting student. I knew numbers. I knew I've always been advanced math, so I always just knew Part, but I wanted to go to law. So banking wasn't even in my list of things to do. The guy told me this morning. So um, at the top in California, Florida, all these loans to them over the phone and um, and read their credit to them and kind of help them understand the position they were in. I was refinancing their homes, um, and so I kind of started learning the tricks of the trade and. Um, my first year, I ended up making almost seventy something thousand dollars because I was selling loans like crazy. So I end up uh, becoming a processor because I I got pregnant with my son right after graduation. I got pregnant with my son, my older son, and um, I ended up being a processor, then an underwriter, and I was the underwriter for about ten years. And they came to me and said, "Hey, we want you to." see how you react in the field because all the bankers call and ask me questions all the time. And, you know, if you work in commercial, uh, in banking, you know that commercial lenders are usually the ones that are have a little bit more freedom and people really respect them a lot. So I wanted to do it. I was like, okay, I'll try it. So I got my chance. Mm-hmm. Here I am. So I've never applied for a bank. Never applied for a job. All my jobs, people have called me. So that's been a blessing. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's nope, good. I, I just kind of talked to that guy. He said, never... "Come to the training." That's awesome. Hello. Yep. With my job that I have now, I can hear you now. I can hear you guys now. I'm sorry, I lost you guys for a second. Being the vice president of a bank now, um, it came like just out of the blue. My husband actually works for the bank and. I wasn't working because I owned a company uh, called Oso Tasty Distributions, and um, I had just had my son. I had two babies 10 months apart, and my my husband calls me and says, hey, I want to talk to you. And I said, what's going on? And he says, uh, they call me in the office, so I'm thinking he's going to say, like, he's going to quit, or I don't know what I thought he was going to say. He goes, well, they call me in the office today, and they want to talk to me. And I was like, okay, is everything okay? And he was like, I want you to come work with us they want they want you like me i went and met with them and they offered me the job a week later so me and my husband work at the same bank we work on two different sides of the bank but we work in the same bank mm-hmm. wow that's awesome and so now mm-hmm. you've written this book and outside of writing the book what else do you do um as a way of teaching um people to manage their money well, you know, we have a face group, Facebook group called Wealthy Women Savings Club um, that we're doing the virtual financial game right now, investing in the market. And a lot of people are thinking it's fun, so I'm, I'm really into that right now. Um, I do a lot of speaking. Um, 
I'm getting ready to start traveling and speaking, so I'm very excited. I'm actually coming to Chicago, which I'm very excited about this summer. And um, so I've never been up north uh, to speak. I have, My sister used to live in Chicago, just to be an attorney there. So um, they've set up something for me to come there and talk, speak about financial literacy. So I do a lot of speaking. Um, I do a lot of one-on-one coaching and things like that. So, And I have an app that's coming out next month. So um, I'm very excited about that as well, coming out to the public next month. Mm-hmm. And what does the app entail? The app is going to help people save money. So you can do group mm-hmm. savings, and you can transfer money from your debit card uh, to the app. So people can actually – you can put money into the app if you're saving money, and then also you can transfer it to other people. So it, it has a lot of little things, and it's got some points in there for business owners too where they can um, have their customers send them money for services and things like that. So it's, it's pretty cool. We're excited about it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. That sounds interesting. I know. Awesome. 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 Now, you know, everybody has, you know, there are a lot of people have children, and they always want to teach them the process of um, saving money or even just having financial literacy. What are some of the things that you would advise them uh, to do if that's uh, something that they want to start implementing in their home with the kids or their teenagers? Like, I would always say just be honest about the money. Like, I'm always honest with my kids. Like, they know that I didn't grow up with it. Um, I think my son thinks it grows on trees sometimes. But um, I'm always just really honest with with them about the money and, and hey, mommy's not going to buy this because this is not in mommy's budget. And kind of use those key words so they understand the words. Um, but another thing we do saving around my house like we my daughter earns nickels for taking her shoes up the stairs you know just little things like that and she can put it into the to her piggy bank now my son is doing my older son him and his friends are doing a money challenge they're saving dimes for all-star game next year in california so if they get a two liter bottle full of dimes it equals 500 bucks so um him and some of his friends are saving the dimes and we're doing this whole little financial challenge to get them the all-star game next year. So that's really fun. Um, mm-hmm. The other things we do is like dines for Disney. Get your kids involved with vacation. So if you're going to Disney or you're going on vacation, put the dime, have them save dimes, nickels, quarters, because it helps them feel like they're contributing to the trip. It helps them feel like they're involved. And you'll be so surprised mm-hmm. how involved they actually get. My two-year-old, she's she's always, like, reaching in my car door to get the change out because she can't wait to put it in her bank. Like, she was, she's sneaky with it. Like, she, you'll be looking for your purse, and she's sitting over there getting the change, trying to take it to her piggy bank because she wants to win. She's like her mom. Like, she wants to, she wants to win. <laughs> and it also just encourages them, and they don't have a fear of money. Most of us fear money. We fear it because mm-hmm. we've always grown up with the fear of it, of not having it. And so, um, or a fear of losing it, you know, either way. So mm-hmm. I try not to take the fear out of it. I always say if I show them what it is now, they don't have to be scared of it later. So mm-hmm. That's a good concept, you know, to, to, to not fear money. And, and it doesn't have as much of an impact, you know, like – like our children today, it's not it's not the same as when we were growing up as far as money. Like I was saying earlier, because they're so into the plastic, but 
the fear of money is real, what you just said and shared with us. That's why they're into the plastic, because plastic is not real. When you swipe your card, you don't see your balance go down. You don't see it. It's out of sight, out of mind. Right. Right. And that's what most companies bank on, because they get fees for that. And it's amazing how many credit cards exactly. come in for children, you know, that come in and, and, and they don't, they just fill out the form and send it in. If, if if an adult isn't mindful of what's coming in the mail, I mean, little toddlers start getting these applications in the mail for credit and it's just, it boggles me. Yep. It definitely happens. It definitely, definitely happens and it's, it's really it's really weird because as I get older and I start to see some of the money mistakes I've made, I'm like, man, I didn't even have to do that. I'm like, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, it's all it's all comes with time though. Like I think like you have to you have to admit that you failed in order to be able to fly. So as soon as mm-hmm. you can admit like, hey, I failed at that, now you can fly because you took the fear out of it. Because most people fear mm-hmm. money, but they don't understand the fear is something that's made up in their mind. Because I've seen your car get repoed. Now I'm scared my car is going to get repoed. And my financial situation can be totally different than yours, you know? Mm-hmm. But because we've seen it, we've seen these things happen, um, we we want it. Or, you know, in my case, I grew up in what I like to call a hood, and... You know, when you grow up like that and you see people, who do you see with with, with the fancy things? Right. Who do you see with that? So you mm-hmm. want to be like them because you feel like they're the boss, you know, like they're doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. And when we take that fear out of it, like, hey, that's not what having real money is about, then they could see it. Because right now our kids think that, you know, people with weird hair and wearing gold chains is, is <laughs> is what money, having money is about, and that's not what it's about. And I make sure I have the picture of Jay Z posted for my son, and I tell him all the time, "This is what he looked like when he was broke. This is what he looks like now that he he's almost a billionaire." And mm-hmm. I, I try to instill that in him. People when people mm-hmm. whisper, you don't have to scream it when you actually have it. So that's right. That is so right. right about now, that. if somebody wanted to, if somebody wanted to purchase your book, um, where are all the places that they can get your book from? Well, I'll be honest with you right now, we're out of books. We're completely out of books. Um, we're oh. revamp, um, the book will, I won't have them available, but they can go on to lovingyourmoney.com. We're going to put the link back up really soon. Um, but mm-hmm. you can also follow me on Instagram at I am Banker Bay. Um, we give financial tips there, um, and um, I'll tell you all the places where you can see the financial tips, and you can see the Banker Bay videos there and everything there because I have financial tip videos that we do. Um, and also my Facebook is April Kelly, April with a Y. So, um, But the book will be available on Amazon next week. We're formatting it for that. So we're just trying to get it all together. Like I said, I wrote the book for fun at first, but I, it has really taken off. So... Um, I just ordered a bunch of copies last week and we're already sold out. And now mm-hmm. we're just trying to, you know, really get it back together. So, But it's a good thing, though. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. So It really is. 
<laughs> and we wish you all the best. And we thank you so much for sharing uh, all your tips and your 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 valuable information as far as finance because that is so so much needed in our community today. You're welcome, and thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate you guys giving me the chance to um, come on and talk to you guys and and, and share my financial literacy. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to ask you a fun question before you leave the chat room because you have been the financial guru uh, here tonight. But if you were a, hero, a superhero, what would you be and what would your power be? And uh, please tell me it would be related to money. <laughs> oh, yeah. If I was a superhero, I would. I would cure all money problems. Like I would be the one who I would I would go through the neighborhoods and I would let people know that the hood is only the hood because you've made it this way. And I would and I would let them know that hey, this is, my superhero power would be to re- replenish and restore. Oh, I, I would like replenish that. neighborhoods. Mm. Okay, I and like change that. mindsets. Thank you. I think my secret power would be to change mindsets. Because it's all about the mindset. And that's where it starts, the mindset. Change that's your mindset, so change your lifestyle. When you, when you learn and understand how money works and how it moves around, you start moving differently. And I think, and I just want to say this real quick, a lot of times people don't move, but money moves them. And sometimes you have to move in order mm-hmm. for the money to find you. Mm-hmm. And most people don't understand that when you're faithful over a little, God can bless you with a lot because that's what you put into the universe. See, when, I, when I'm faithful over what I have, which is what loving your money is all about, when I'm faithful over what I have, the universe can bless me with, with so much more. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what, because you don't have space. And people don't understand that. Money, money flows. It flows. Mm-hmm. And that's why when you when you clear up the space for it, when you clear your mind, you can find your talent and you can find your passion and the money will flow. And I think that um, that's what I had to do. We moved, we moved from Texas to Alabama. And in Texas, you know, I hung out. I did whatever. You know, I went to work every day. But I was just working. You know, I didn't have no desires to really own a business. I just wanted to go to work. So I can come home and go to happy hour. It was a cycle. But when I had to, when my husband lived in Alabama and we had to move here I had so much time to get to so much more time to get to know April and um, I had to learn those things without the protection of my family around me without my being able to follow my brother or my mother or or my father whoever I had to learn those things and when Mm -hmm. when I leaped there wasn't a safety net so I had to learn to fly and I think Mm -hmm. that the thing with money is is that when we cloud up so much of our heads with all the other stuff, when I mm-hmm. stop focusing on I need to get the happy hour or I need to have this kind of car so everybody will think I have money or I need to make sure my son wears Jordans all the time because that will make him feel like, you know, it's a substitute because I wasn't married to his father. So that would make me look like a better person, you know, because I said your money is connected around you. But once I let all that go, my money was able to flow. I started buying houses instead of purses and um, creating income income streams. And today I was finally able, I was talking to one of my friends today, and we were talking about, she said, you know, we're going to be millionaires one day. And I had to stop and I thought, I said, I'm already worth a million dollars. 
And I had never thought about it before. Mm-hmm. I'd never thought about it. But I stopped and I thought and I said, I'm, I'm already there. So I opened once it. I cleared my mind of the yeah it was it was like an aha moment like I cleared my mind of the club and and hanging out and no don't get me wrong I still love to you know I, I, my knees would allow me I still love to drop it like it's hot every now and then but the reality is it's not it's not the first priority now you know mm-hmm. the first priority is, is so different. Like, me and my husband sit up and talk about buying buildings and, you know, what kind of event we can throw and what, what's our return on our investment and let's read the contract. Our conversations change from a Lil Wayne mixtape when we first met to to now we we, we talk about business. How how we're going to pay this off? How does, how does this manifest? That's our next move. That's, that's truly needed. So it's 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 it's, it's it grows, you know, it grows, you grow, mm-hmm. it grows. It definitely does. But well, we thank you so much. You know, you are so welcome to come back through the chat room whenever you're ready. The door is always open, April, and we appreciate you for joining us and sharing your your journey with us. Well, I appreciate you guys for having me. You guys be blessed, and thank you again for having me. Okay, you're so welcome, and I'll uh, go pay a blue little man. <laughs> right, you know okay. he's standing at the door with his hand out, like he's I need my coin right the clock. Now. Where's my coin? Yeah, let me he's tell you, I hear the, the little like, one screaming I upstairs. I need my coin. I hear, yeah, I hear the little one screaming upstairs, so he might need a tip because I, I, like from what I hear, like I'm downstairs and I can hear them upstairs, like literally. I'm sitting here praying that you guys weren't hearing it in the background. So I've, I'm praying no, that <laughs> I'm praying that he's not like, "Uh, lady, you owe me that fifty because this little one, that one year old, I'm telling you, he's he's been here before. Like he's like he's like a, I call him a little terrorist sometimes because he runs through the house and you're just like, ain't nothing gonna be standing when he comes through the house. He's like a like a bomb coming through the house most of the time. Like he's he's always into something. So. I'm sure it's going to be a tip needed or something, or tomorrow is going to be like, ma, uh, I need a new basketball. Like, you tripping. You know what he did. So I, can, I can't even wait to hear this conversation. Yeah, it's going to be something. Well, thank you, ladies. Y'all have a blessed night. Okay, you too. Thanks for joining thank us. Thank you. <laughs> Good night. She shared a lot with us tonight, Leash. Absolutely. And, you know, financial literacy, unfortunately, is something that we never learn about or even understand until we become adults. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. When, we're, when we have credit cards being thrown at us and you got student loans and you got this, you're never thinking about it because that's not something that was, you know, taught. It's not something that was taught to us, so it wasn't instilled in us on how to be financially literate. We actually learn mm-hmm. through trial and error. So I'm glad that she was able to come on and especially give us points on how to get our kids involved, you know, and start mm-hmm. young, get them excited about money uh, so that they aren't scared of it. Or, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to say so scared, true. but uh, where they don't feel, um, they just don't feel or feel indebted to it. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. 
work all day long. They work all day long, and they live for money, but they don't live. They don't enjoy it. They don't enjoy their Mm -hmm. time, but they enjoy making money, you know, and I think that you have to be able to enjoy life, and you have to do more than just live. You have to do more than just um, exist to live. That's true. You know, you have to do more than that. So we appreciate you guys coming to kick with us here on the chat. We had a fabulous show today. You get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. If you missed our first guest, the fabulous Brandy Davis, no worries. You can head over to blogtalk.com and catch our interview there, or you can go on iTunes. And we are listed as a podcast on iTunes. Let's chat with Miss Tony Alicia. Make sure you guys head over to Amazon and pick up the price I had to pay for. By I got my copy tonight. Story. I got mm-hmm. my copy too. And she, I mean, and she, she talks about so much. I mean, I think the book is more than just about her life story. Mm-hmm. It's really a, a roadmap. It's like a life roadmap because it starts off when she was growing up. So she grew up in a specific type of environment and she continued mm-hmm. in that environment um, and had to make some hard changes and go through some hard, hard lessons in life, but she did it. And she's come out on yeah. top after going through so much and and making mistakes and paying for mistakes. So I appreciate her for coming on that chat and sharing mm-hmm. her time and her journey here with us. And then we had the fabulous right. April Fort Kelly talking that business talk with us, something that, you know, everybody likes money. So if you wanna if you wanna learn how to hold on to it just a little bit, head over to her website and request a copy of her book. We will see you guys. Thank you for tuning in to the chat room and you guys have a wonderful night. Yes, thanks for joining us. Good night. Good night. Busting my tail on a nine to five. Just to keep up, try to stay alive. Promise my lady we gon' be alright. She be crying while she praying for a better life. Hustling on the side for a bag of rice. Gotta feed the fam, gotta pay the price. Gotta keep trucking through the Georgia clay. Gotta stay searching for a better day. Gotta keep my faith till make a way. Gotta get extended so the gas can pay Sweet Georgia, hold me down Keep my feet planted on solid ground From the New York coast to the Florida shine Up to the mountain